Hello, everyone. Justin Johns here again with East Central Energy's Power Talks podcast. Today we have a special episode. I have a guest from Great River Energy. Great River Energy is ECE's power supplier. They are a cooperative made up of 27 electric cooperatives. And I have with me today Zach Rizicki. Zach is the Director of Resource Planning at Great River Energy. As you can imagine, Great River Energy has uh, a tall task in front of them to plan resources to adequately supply power to those 27 electric cooperatives and to do so uh, with a multitude of factors. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today with Zach. Welcome to the podcast, Zach. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you, Justin. Happy to be on. Wonderful. So, Zach, we'll jump right in. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about some of the factors that go into what you guys refer to as integrated resource planning? So planning the resources that we need to provide power to ECE and the rest of GRE's membership. Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. So integrated resource planning is the planning uh, structures to, to which we have to uh, adhere in Minnesota. And, and across the country, integrated resource planning was uh, put in place to put guardrails around how entities plan for their power supplies of the future. Um, it was in response primarily to some changes to the energy industry in the 1970s and 80s and uncertainty around uh, volatility and, and fuel supply and oil uh, concerns uh, in that time period that state regulatory commissions and, and legislatures around the country began to uh, mandate integrated resource planning. And so what we do is attempt to identify the size, the type, and the timing of the resources that are going to satisfy in our case, GRE member owners' electric demand and, and energy needs over the planning horizon. And for us, that's typically uh, 15 to 25 years. And we strive to do so according to our triple bottom line of affordability, reliability, and uh, in concert with uh, the environment. So it's, a, it's, it's obviously a very tricky optimization equation. And we, we aim to do so under the umbrella of low-cost, low-risk planning. Right. And I and I know there's a lot of opinions about what that should look like. And so it's a balancing act. And having been a part of those conversations with you and with Great River Energy as an organization, I, I know that that balancing act is something you guys do quite well. Um, and, and I think about, you know, times like this last week, we had some significant weather events and, you know, that it gets really hot and really cold in the state of Minnesota and in Wisconsin. And so, a lot of times we're asked uh, to conserve energy on those really hot or really cold days. And and I think people understand why that is, capacity requirements and all of that. But one of the things that we hear once in a while is, you know, what's the impact going to be when more people are driving electric vehicles or, you know, this, this, tr- this uh, transition into more electric technologies like air source, heat or air source heat pumps or home heating systems that rely more on electricity? What are your thoughts on, you know, kind of the, the adoption of those electric technologies and the impact on power supply and things of that nature? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's one that we run into quite often as well. Uh, certainly, we're all aware that there are a lot of developments happening on a, on a regular basis daily, really, with respect to electric vehicles and transitioning a lot of the uh, economy to electrified end uses. And one thing that I'd like people listening to take away from this is that no matter what happens 
in terms of resources that, that uh, come into the to the uh, electricity uh, sphere, electric vehicles, um, air source heat pumps, complete electrification of any end use. Uh, as a, as a, a member of the Mid-Continent Independent System Operator, MISO, which is the, the uh, independent system operator who operates the, uh, the energy markets and, and sends signals to power plants to, to dispatch on and off. As a member of that entity, we have to provide a, a planning reserve margin requirement, which means that the energy uh, and the demand that GRE is supplying to its members uh, we have to provide that plus a, a cushion. And that cushion is determined to uh, be one that is going to obviously ensure reliability across the system. And as we see more electric vehicles, certainly that's going to create a much higher demand. And that higher demand is going to necessitate more resources uh, or uh, a more creative use of those resources uh, at the end point of the uh, member consumer or the member owner cooperatives in general. So we've had a lot of conversations about um, distributed energy resource management systems, uh, bi-directional flow of electric vehicle energy, and all of these things are still developing and they could be just one of many tools uh, in the toolbox that help us to uh, meet some of the challenges ahead associated with higher demand and energy use. Yeah, there's there's a lot of solutions coming, and and it's really interesting to read about you know the vehicle to grid technology and some of those things. But but I think there's just a lot of conversations that haven't even happened yet with technology that's coming related to battery storage and and things like that because you know people are often looking at you know how we've dealt with problems in the past and then the, the concern about electric vehicles and all of that. But I'm hearing you say that that there may not be a plan yet, but we certainly have the the resources, the people, and uh, eventually we'll have the technology to to get through those things, just as we have other problems in the past, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, with with every change uh, in industry, you know, the onset of, of the kind of the tech economy in the late '90s, early 2000s, uh, the recession that happened in the late 2010s. Um, increases in, in data requirements associated with data centers that we've experienced in the last five to 10 years. Uh, and certainly with the onset of things like artificial intelligence and, and greater demands on, on, uh, on data centers and energy requirements, there are, there are always going to be changes. And, you know, that's one of the, the reasons that we undertake integrated resource planning is that we are trying to push and pull our models in all these different directions and introduce higher and lower forecasts that allow us to understand what are the different conditions under which our portfolio is going to perform well. And you know, if we run 30, 40, 50 different scenarios that include different gas prices, market prices, levels of, of growth of electric vehicles, um, maybe retraction in growth, uh, significant expansion in growth, all these different things we, we vary. And we try to understand how that impacts the resources that we see come in to meet that demand and energy uh, in, during the planning period. And, and certainly we strive to provide and plan for the power supply portfolio that is going to be the most robust across all of these different scenarios such that we are, are planning for a, a no regrets path that is going to help us to achieve any changes that we see in the future, as well as uh, the ones that we know that are on the system today. 
Right. And and it really is a story of optimization. And I was a part of the strategic planning recent, recently, and we walked through a few of those scenarios. And like you said, that was only a few of the many, many uh, scenarios that you guys run. And Give the to give the integrated resource plan the opportunity to choose different resources based on those scenarios. So, have a lot of confidence in the robust nature of of the work that you do. So, speaking of scenarios and uh, pushes, there is a push to remove carbon from the power supply mix across the country, and obviously recently, particularly in Minnesota. Are these goals achievable? You know, like the twenty forty legislation that we saw recently that requires a hundred percent carbon free. Uh, resources uh, by 2040. And if so, how is GRE going to move forward and achieve those goals and still keep the lights on when it's really hot or really cold or the sun's not shining or the wind's not blowing? You know, we hear those things all the time, right? How is GRE going to go about approaching those uh, situations? That's a great question, Justin. Thanks. And and it's a, it's a really uh, important one too, because keeping the lights on and reliability is certainly one of, if not the most important thing. Um, but we make sure that Minnesotans and our member owners have access to uh, heat in the winter, cool in the summer, uh, make sure that the, that the the lights stay on when they're needed, certainly for central functions, uh, as well as um, you know, maintaining faith in how we can plan and operate an electrical system. And this, this new carbon-free standard is one that is certainly going to be challenging, uh, but it's also one that is achievable. And not to say that it's going to be easy, but right now we do see there are a number of paths to compliance with this new standard. The new standard targets 100% of total end-use retail electric sales to be carbon-free by 2040. And the way that we expect compliance to be measured with this standard is through the Retirement of Renewable Energy Certificates, or RECs. And one REC is generated with every one megawatt hour of wind or solar or uh, hydroelectric uh, energy generation. And so the, the generation of these RECs then goes into a bank, and then GRE and any other uh, utility that's, that's held to these standards must rec- retire those RECs at the levels required by the new uh, legislation. And for cooperatives, that's 50% in 2030, 90% in 2035, and 100% by 2040. And so certainly it's a challenge, um, but we feel very good about the position that we are in today to meet that challenge. Um, I don't think personally that uh, we can run an electrical system today on all renewable energy and storage in a cost-effective manner. And, and certainly we can do it, but it would be, uh, I believe, prohibitively expensive. Right. And, and that's why that GRE has a very uh, robust portfolio and a diverse portfolio that includes wind, um, hydro, energy from the MISO market, uh, demand response resources among its membership, and dispatchable gas generation in the form of, of natural gas combustion turbines. Right. And it's it really is, a, there's a need when the power demand is high, when energy is needed, those dispatchable resources are just, um, they're, they're almost non-negotiable. So yeah, I'll tell you, this has been a great conversation, Zach. I, I, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been, uh, enlightening for me. It's, it's always, it always gives me a lot of confidence when I hear about the robust planning that goes on at GRE. So I want to thank you for the time and, and for jumping on with me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Justin.
All right, folks, that was Zach Rizicki, Director of Resource Planning at Great River Energy. And as always, I want to thank you for the opportunity to serve you, and I hope you have a great day.